0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey everybody, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Friday, August 21. 21, why did I say, August 21st. And here's your quarantine tip of the day. If you're still afraid to get a haircut, all you should do is tell people that you're growing your hair out as a form of protest. Then you'll look woke and no one will know that you're actually just a little bitch. Anyway, tonight we're going to cover all the highlights from the final night of the Democratic National Convention, including the Biden speech that was so strong, Fox News almost forgot to do their nightly Benghazi segment. Then I'm going to be chatting to Tracy Ellis Ross about her show, Blackish. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, the Daily Social Distancing Show presents. The Democratic National Convention, electing America's first black president's friend. The final nights of the Democratic National Convention gave airtime to rising Democratic politicians who hadn't yet made appearances. From Andrew Yang to Tammy Duckworth to Keisha Lance Bottoms, everyone got a chance to speak. They also made space for Michael Bloomberg. Democratic sugar daddy and Bruce Wayne, who never became Batman. Bloomberg used his speech to continue his years-long beef with Donald Trump, and then apparently started a new beef with a fly. And some people wondered why Bloomberg didn't just swat the fly away. But in his defense, Bloomberg has probably never even seen a fly. He only knows about rich people insects like June bugs and gold-plated beetles. But you see, my friends, this is what happens when you remove Steve Bannon from the ecosphere. He stops eating flies and they immediately get out of control. And if you're a fan of those quarantine reunion specials, you know, where the stars of our favorite old movies and TV shows get together to reminisce, well, then you were in luck. Because last night, the DNC brought back the cast of the Democratic primary. I am very excited to present to you a group of people that ran in
1: the 2020 Democratic primary against Joe Biden. You could think of this sort of like survivor on the out interviews of all the people that got voted off the island.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you remember the steak fry when, when we were waiting to go on? And he pulled me aside at one point and he pointed to somebody who we both knew who was working on my campaign and let me know that that, that was somebody who'd gone through a, a family tragedy that, that Joe somehow knew about. And just thought it was important for me to know that uh, about uh, someone who is working with me. The magic of Joe Biden is that everything he does becomes the new reasonable. If he comes with an ambitious <laughs> plan to address climate change, all of a sudden, everyone's going to follow his lead. <laughs> this is why I love Americans. You people don't hold grudges. Because if this was a bunch of Africans who lost a presidential nomination, <laughs> trust me on this, they'd be trying to Zoom the military to start a coup. We will storm their palace and get revenge on, oh, oh, hold on. I'm on mute, am I on mute? Can you guys hear me? I actually really hope they do this loser Zoom thing at the Republican convention next week, because I'd love to see Trump's former rivals reminiscing about the times he humiliated them or called their wives ugly and then they backed him anyway and then their souls died. (laughs) Good times. But of course, the only part of last night that really mattered was Joe Biden's big acceptance speech. And because Donald Trump has spent months trying to portray Biden as a senile old man who can barely string a few words together, the stakes for the speech were especially high. But Biden rose to the occasion.
1: We have a great purpose as a nation to open the doors of opportunity to all Americans, to save our democracy, to be a light to the world once again. For love is more powerful than hate. Hope is more powerful than fear. And light is more powerful than dark. This is our moment. This is our mission. And this is a battle we will win and we'll do it together. I promise you. So it's with great honor and humility, I accept this
0: nomination for President of the United States of America. I'm not gonna lie. Watching Biden give this speech was nerve wracking. It was like watching The Quiet Place. One wrong step and the whole thing is over. But honestly, he nailed it. He showed strength, he showed emotion, he made a powerful case for a more united America. And I actually think that Trump did Biden the biggest favor by making it seem like he's incompetent and senile. I mean, the bar has been set super low. As soon as America saw Biden had his jacket on the right way round, they were ready to give him a standing ovation. Biden speaking in complete sentences was just the icing on the cake. And last night also reminded us how different these candidates are. I mean, you've got the presidential candidate who's casually quoting Danish philosophers and Irish poets, and then you've got the president whose morning read is the back of a cereal box. You're right, Tony, they are great. Not as great as America, but so great. And honestly, I also think that it helped that Biden got to give the speech to an empty room. You know, because a live audience can add pressure. People applauding can throw off your rhythm. Sometimes there's a weirdo in the audience. You know, you'll see a guy dressed as Shrek and then you'll just fixate on it. And it's hard to talk about healthcare when you're actually wondering, why is this guy dressed like Shrek? Is Shrek a metaphor for something? Is he at the wrong event? Maybe there's like a Shrek sex festival in town? The point is the no crowd thing probably helped Biden. So that was the 2020 Democratic National Convention. And like all conventions, they had a lot to cover. You know, explaining various policies, nodding to various voting blocks, speaking just enough, but not too much Spanish. And of course, showing those videos where one person starts a sentence, but another person finishes the sentence. But ultimately, there was one overall theme of the week. I know Joe. He is a profoundly decent man. Joe Biden is a decent man. Decent man. Decent. 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 Yes, decent is a word that came up over and over throughout this convention, which is really only a compliment if you say it the right way. He is decent. Eh, he's decent. And that was the main thing that the Democrats wanted to get across. You don't have to have a president who only cares about people if they have a vote or a felony conviction. No, you could have an actual human being who feels empathy for other human beings. And it wasn't just politicians attesting to Biden's decentness. The convention heard from a lot of everyday people, from a security guard who Biden stopped to talk to in an elevator, to a man Biden befriended when they were both lifeguards as teenagers and even a rabbi who recalled Biden showing up at a woman's memorial service because she had once donated $18 to his campaign. But the highlight was probably last night's testimonial from a 13-year-old with a stutter. Without Joe Biden, I wouldn't be talking to you today. About a few months ago, I met him in New Hampshire. He told me that we were members of the same club. We... we... stutter. He told me about a book of poems by Yates he would read out loud to practice. He showed me how he marks his addresses to make them easier to say out loud. I'm just a regular kid, and in a short amount of time, Joe Biden made me more confident about something that's bothered me my whole life. Man, Braden is so lucky. He got speech lessons from Vice President Joe Biden, which actually helped him improve. Meanwhile, I made the mistake of getting speech lessons from President Obama and it took me uh, four hours to order a pizza uh, with pepperoni. So the one thing this convention wanted to leave viewers with is that Joe Biden is a decent man who cares about others. And another thing that kept coming up over and over again is that Biden will take the time to talk to you on the phone whether he knows you or not.
1: I remember I called my grandmother. And I said, Joe Biden's walking by. And she goes,
0: oh my God, oh my God, put him on.
2: (laughs) He talked to me for the next half hour.
0: If you give him your cell phone number.
2: He's going to call it. I remember one uh, night when I was giving one of those floor speeches and I walked out of there and the cell phone rings and you know who it was? It was Joe Biden.
3: My phone rang and it was the vice president. I called
4: her, someone wants to talk to you. Hi Grammy, this is Joe Biden. How often does he call you? Like, every day. Like every day. I don't necessarily pick up every day, but
0: I have a lot of voicemails. Oh, I see what's happening here. Joe Biden's grandkids want him to be president just so he has less time to keep them on the phone. Because goddamn Joe Biden calls a lot of people. No wonder he sometimes has a hard time remembering small details. This guy's memorized the entire phone book. In fact, he calls so many people. When I was watching this convention, I started to get self-conscious. I was like, huh. Why haven't I had a phone call from Joe Biden? Am I a bad person? Does he hate me? Am I on airplane mode? It must be airplane mode. I mean, it can't can't be any, it's probably, most of the time it's airplane mode. That's why people don't call me. You know, Joe Biden spends so much of his time calling people on the phone that it made us wonder what kind of phone plan does he use? Well, it turns out there's one specifically for him.
3: At T-Mobile, we have multiple plans with unlimited calling. But what if unlimited is still too limited? Introducing the Joe Biden infinite calling plan for former vice presidents who are constantly calling everyone.
5: I met Joe Biden once at a campaign event and told him I was getting married the next summer. Then he actually called us on our wedding day to congratulate us for six hours. We actually missed the ceremony, but
3: still, it it was sweet. With our Biden plan, your phone has access to our 5G network and your contacts come pre-filled with the phone numbers of all seven billion people on Earth.
0: When my son's goldfish died, Joe Biden called to advise me on how to console him. Up to that point, I had never met Joe Biden or even knew who he was. But thanks to Joe's advice, my son and I have never been closer, and he has no idea that I killed his goldfish.
3: Sign up today and you can get a second phone line for twice the infinite calling.
1: Last week, Joe Biden called me out of nowhere and comforted me for about an hour about my broken leg. I didn't have any idea what he was talking about. Then the next week, I fell down the stairs and broke my leg. He was comforting me from the future.
5: Look, it's really sweet, but sometimes I just have to go. Look, it's him. (laughs) Hey, Joe. We're doing great, just
0: like yesterday.
3: The Biden plan for the man who can't stop, won't stop calling.
0: All right, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll see what the convention looked like on Fox News. And later, we'll be talking to Tracy Ellis Ross. So stick around. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. You know, there were many different ways to keep up with the Democratic convention this week on the TV networks, streaming online, or if you're like me listening to it on Spanish Soccer Radio, Barack Obama está hablando ahora en la DNC. Elizabeth Warren está hablando ahora en la DNC. Joe Biden ha aceptado la nominación. Goal! But I also wanted to watch the DNC the way President Trump does on Fox News. And based on how Trump's Fox friends reacted to Joe Biden's speech, I suspect that he wasn't very happy last night.
5: Joe Biden just hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth. He had pace, rhythm, energy, emotion, and delivery. It was a good speech. I'll give him that. It was very emotional.
1: It was the best he's been as far as his delivery. And was looking for him to flub up a line and he really didn't. He delivered it well. He's
3: portrayed himself as a unifier who would bring the country together. Uh, He did so very, I thought,
1: very effectively. It seems to me that after tonight, Donald Trump is gonna have to run against a
0: candidate, not a caricature. He did beat expectations, Donna. Yes, after Joe Biden's speech last night, most anchors on Fox admitted that he did a good job. And that's impressive, because Fox News never praises Democrats. If Obama saved a bunch of kids from a burning orphanage, their angle would be, why are Democrats taking our children's right to burn? I mean, did you see Don Jr.'s face? He got so sad when Laura Ingram said that Biden beat expectations. Look at him. That's the same look he gave that Russian lady in Trump Tower when she said she didn't have dirt on Hillary. Uh. But don't get it twisted. Just because Fox praised Biden doesn't mean that they've suddenly turned into MSNBC. I mean, they still came with fire for Biden's VP. Kamala Harris's acceptance speech was about as um, electric as the state of California right now.
3: I didn't think that was very rousing.
1: Uh, I thought there was a lot of democratic boilerplate. I'm not sure she came across
4: last night as somebody who's ready to step quickly into the president's shoes.
0: That's a blood on your hands speech, really nasty and very personal. I have to say, I thought it was a pedestrian speech. That was the most dull, boring, uninspiring acceptance speech I've ever heard. Whoa, 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 whoa. The most boring acceptance speech? I mean, sure, it wasn't training day, okay? But you guys are acting like you've never heard of Mike Pence, the most boring speech. Do you remember Mike Pence's speech from the RNC? Do you remember what he said? No, exactly. You know why? because Mike Pence is the most boring thing ever. Mike Pence is so boring. He's like the human version of the soft padding that they put on the walls of music studios. When he talks, somehow the room gets more silent. I mean, I get why Fox News thinks most speeches are gonna be boring. They spend all day watching a lunatic tell people to inject bleach, pose with Goya beans, and call his porn star mistress a horse face. At this point, the moon landing will be too boring for Fox News. But the truth is, Since Kamala got the nomination, Fox has been attacking her from every possible angle. And to get a better sense of how Fox News is trying to define Kamala Harris, we asked our very own Desi Lydic to watch the network nonstop and explain it to us.
5: I've been watching Fox News for 64 hours straight, and I think I know everything about Kamala Harris. So Kamala Harris is a radical communist senator from California. She's gonna turn the entire country into San Francisco. I hope you like couscous because it's gonna be the only legal side dish. They want you to think Caramel Harris is mainstream, but the truth is, she's a radical socialist Vegemite hell dealer. She attended Socialism University and majored in a abortion she will ban assault weapons from hospitals and make it legal for immigrants to play in the NFL. You wanna know something else about Campbell Soup Harris? She has never once clapped when they Airplane lands. In this country, we stand and applaud for our JetBlue pilot. And guess what else? Kalamari Harrison supports the Green New Deal. You have a car? Well, guess what? You're gonna be forced to put one of those coexist stickers on there. You're not fooling anybody, Alexandria Okamala Cortez. She just just, just, just seems so angry. I mean, what the hell is she so angry about? I hate angry women! Why has she still not released Obama's college transcripts? What is her skincare routine? What does she think about the minions? How can we trust Kamala Harris? She's a cop who wants to defund the police, meaning she would stop existing because she eats money to survive. She is half Indian and half Jamaican. So say goodbye to drinking beer at a football game and say hello to sipping a mango lassi at a bobsled competition.
0: Actually, it sounds really good.
5: Forget I said anything.
0: Thank you so much, Desi, for your sacrifice. All right, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, Dulce Sloan drags out the votes with some help from RuPaul's top queens. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Even in presidential election years, Americans don't vote in high numbers, and no one really knows why. But what if the reason is that voting just isn't glamorous enough? Well, Dulce Sloan spoke to some people who are trying to fix it. As much as the conventions are a chance to win voters over, the
4: real point is to pump up people to vote. And no one knows pumps better than these queens. (laughs) helping to turn out more votes in their own way. You might have seen these fabulous ladies strutting their stuff on the latest season of RuPaul's Drag Race. But now they're here on a mission to get people to vote. Okay, so first things first, who's tough right now?
1: Oh, absolutely not. Uh Uh-uh. Oh, God, no. no. It's unnecessary roughness in these crazy times. The illusion is that I am tough. Stand up, Heidi. Show them Oh, you is above.
4: So if you're untucked, then I'm untucked, which means this bra is out of here. Yeah. Yes. Feel yes. free. Let the girls loose. Now that my ladies were free, it was time to move from liberation to representation. So y'all know that we've been hearing from a lot of real people during these conventions, but so far we haven't heard from drag queens.
1: Because they didn't ask us, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would definitely give shows at the convention. I think it's very important to be a a leader within our community. And did you know that one out of five LGBTQIA people in our country are not registered to vote? So we can reach a lot of people. One out of five is a lot of people. That's like Queer Eye without Anthony. Why is that? I think that people don't think that it's important. And a uh, hundred million people did not vote in the last presidential election, which is which is wild, a hundred million? Girl. They
4: should make a law where you can't line up to buy an iPhone unless you show your I Voted sticker.
1: Yes. And no matter what side of the aisle you fall on, it's all gonna affect you. It is called the circle of life, mama. Um, everything affects us all, so we are in this together. If you want better schools, you gotta vote. If you want better roads, you gotta vote. If you wanna make sure that our transgender brothers and sisters are gonna be taken care of, you gotta vote to make sure these things are happening. Because our rights are being taken away and we gotta make sure we vote to make sure that they are.
4: And drag queens have always been political activists throughout history. They were at Stonewall, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, helped fight the HIV crisis in the 80s, and they've carried on our founding fathers' tradition of wearing wigs. So why not carry that torch into the most important election of our time?
1: I'm the co-chair of Drag Out the Votes. And what we're doing is we're getting all these drag ambassadors and we're sending them out with social media content, videos, PSA scripts, resources for voter registration and more, honey. We're doing shows and we're getting people excited about voting. If you are excited about something, people will start to feel that excitement. It's like contagious. No coronavirus here, but uh, it's very contagious. We can pull an all-nighter that we can go to the polls we'll have a little party, chicken wings, the poll party. Ho out the vote, ho out the vote. Uh, ho and out I the vote. That,
4: that is a campaign I think people can get behind. But let's go back a bit. You said something about becoming a drag ambassador. So how does one become that?
1: Yeah, why you you want to you want to be a drag queen?
4: Well, I mean if you're looking, I don't really have anything prepared. Well, maybe this one character I've been working on.
1: Oh, she gives
4: characters. Y'all ready? Uh Yes. I am Kitty Glitter.
1: Oh. Look over there.
4: Perhaps my drag concept did need some work, but I was in luck. I'm going to get you ready, honey. If I was going to drag out the vote, I needed my fairy drag mothers to help me get ready.
1: More blush, more blush. Jose, give us a little fish face. Yeah, there it is, there it is.
4: More hairspray, more hairspray! Oh, woman. So, how do I look? Now that's
1: drag mama.
4: Now that my face was beat for the gods, it was time to shoot my first PSA as a drag ambassador. This is 13th Amendment here telling you to hoe out that vote. Drag queen is known to tuck, but I want you to tuck your vote to that ballot box. And why should you register to vote? It's the best way to use your voice.
1: Vote, 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 vote,
0: vote, 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 vote. My name is Britta Filcher and I approve this message. Thank you so much, Dulce. When we come back, we'll wrap up the Democratic National Convention with Tracy Ellis Ross. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with actor, producer, and activist Tracy Ellis Ross. We talked about what it was like moderating a night of the DNC and more. Tracy Ellis Ross, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
2: <laughs> I'm so happy to see you, Trevor.
0: Let me let me compliment your vibe. People try and download backgrounds like this onto, like, Zoom, and you have it in real life. Yeah, Thank I painted
2: you. it this morning. I wanted to have something special for you, Trevor. So I, I got to painting. It's a little paint on my nails, but I'm good, you know?
0: <laughs> I feel like you are good. You know, I, I feel like there are there are people who have found a way to, to still look after themselves during this pandemic. Like, there are some of us who look like there is a pandemic, and there are some of us who have chosen to exist despite the pandemic, and I feel like you're one of those people. Like, on Instagram, I'm like, wow, she still looks amazing. She still looks like she's finding, like, you know, the silver linings in life. What are you doing that is different to the rest of us?
2: Nothing. Uh, nothing. Trying to make sense of this. I do think I thrive in a pandemic. Um, I am good with isolation. Uh, That's what it is. Yeah, I. I love cooking. Uh, well, I there have. You have it. I don't think that mopping floors is the best use of me, but I am really good at it. Um, you know, I don't know. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of conditioning of the hair. I mean, I have not stopped working. I don't know about you. I mean, we know you have not stopped working, but people keep saying, I'm so bored. I'm like, can you get me an invitation to this town called boredom? <laughs> I don't know where it is and I want to get there.
0: I do owe you an apology though. Last time you were on the show, yes. um, we talked about your new hair care range. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't have hair, so I can't use it. And then I didn't take any from you. And then now I have more hair than I ever thought I would have. Um, <laughs> and I didn't take any of your products and- uh, I'm,
2: I'm gonna send you a package because I see all of that gorgeous hair and pattern will do you well. I don't know within your busy schedule how you have time, but I know you bathe, I hope. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I don't wanna, I don't wanna make any assumptions, but I hope you're still bathing.
0: I am bathing. Okay, great. I'm bathing. So... I'm bathing, and I will take it. I'll take all of the products to help my fro. Um, congratulations on yet another Emmy nomination. You're back in the mix again with Blackish again. Um, I know that you you spent many years of your acting career feeling snubbed by the industry. Do you do you, all, that, all that, I don't know? I'm, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but it feels like there was a time when not just yourself, but many other actors and actresses who acted in like black sitcoms and black shows were often seen as people where it was like, oh yeah, that's not mainstream. But now, like, does this feel like the payback? Does this feel like, does this like erase some of the bad memories from like, you know, back in the day?
2: Um, Well, I'm gonna change your language because we know what titles go out. I do not feel snubbed by the industry.
0: Okay, well played. Well, I understand what you're doing. I understand.
2: What's happening? I do not. Um, But there was definitely a, I was not seen by certain (laughs) <laughs> hard <history>. uh, <laughs> that is true I will give you one of the best expressions that was given to my publicity uh when I wanted to go on the tonight show um when I it was like the fourth year on girlfriends lead uh-huh. on, that had been on for four years uh-huh. and they said oh my god we love Tracy call us when she gets something and I was like like, give me some clues. What kind of something are we talking about? Because wow. I thought lead on a show that had been on the air was going to work. But tell me what I need to get because I'm going to try and get there. But um, so, yeah, I feel like four-time Emmy nominee. I do trust the time huh? things. Uh, I have a Golden Globe. Um, it's all working out just fine. I did not actually have complaints. I just knew that I had the like you know you when you're an actor you grow up dreaming of right
0: the, right the, right, the, right, right.
2: Cults, the Emmys the Oscars so it's really fun to be there and be here now I mean I have to tell you there Trevor as excited as I am to be nominated for an Emmy and as much as I genuinely hope I win um, most important to me is that people vote and fill out their census I, I if that is if that is the silver lining. Um, to this, if people get out and vote, I will feel like I have won.
0: So so let me ask you this. So if if somebody said to you, if a fairy came and said, you will not win the Emmy, but then Joe Biden will win the the, the presidency, would you, what would you say? I would take not winning. Okay. I like that you, there was a moment, not a long pause, <laughs> but was, a human pause. There was
2: a, there was a really quick <laughs> of, of like, Trevor, this is a hard one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um. Obviously, I know the answer to that question because you were at the DNC. You were one of the people who hosted one of the nights. And I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's been a weird convention. Nobody thought it was gonna be like this. Nobody even knew what a convention could be. Some have liked it more. I personally enjoyed it more. You got to see more people speaking. You got to see diversity, not just in like the people on camera, but the places on camera. Never... Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Why did you say yes to hosting at the DNC and and what did you feel your responsibility was to be a part of this event?
2: I'll start with the second. I felt my responsibility was to facilitate a conversation around engagement and participation and to actually be um I mean you know cuz you've hosted. My I do a lot of hosting and I feel like the job is you're it's like the host of a party. You are the the touch point for the audience, and I'm there to say, here's where we're going, I've got you, we're good. Um, the beauty of it also, when you are in that position, is you get a moment to speak up and to use your own voice, you know. Um, I took I took the leap, I felt like it was, it is and was a natural sort of progression of the way I use my voice. I'm very civically engaged and socially okay. active. Um, I am not so, so versed in the political realm, but, It reminds me of exactly what I've come to understand of how personal politics is. And so it felt like um, it didn't feel like such a stretch. And the truth is, it felt like a moment and a way that I could continue to show up um, for the greater good. And and what we are in right now, which is a very unprecedented time, Um, and I do believe that all elections are urgent, particularly for those that are marginalized and those that are the most vulnerable and um, experiencing the oppression of the systems of this country. But this election is particularly urgent. And I think that that was really expressed beautifully through Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and Kamala at the DNC. And I agree with you, by the way, I thought it was particularly personal. Um, seeing, like, the roll call, seeing everybody... Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. ...environment. It was so beautiful to me. I got very emotional at many moments.
0: Before I let you go, let's talk a little bit about the movie. Um, you... you... you recently made a movie which was meant to come out in theaters, and then coronavirus happened, and then we all got the movie at home. Um, a movie called The High Note, where... It was really interesting because you played um, a, a superstar, pop star, right in the world. What what I found most interesting though was you singing. Yeah. I I, I don't know if I've just missed this, but I didn't I didn't I didn't know that you sing. I I mean you, you recorded a, a single. What like is this a talent you've hidden from us purposefully, or was this like a new thing you discovered?
2: It was something I've always wanted to do, um, but I was terrified. I have continued to do it. I haven't like hidden it for myself. I don't know if it was unconscious or conscious that it kind of moved to the back burner.
0: Why were you terrified?
2: Say, uh, well, my mother is Diana Ross. Ah. So I worried, Trevor, I worried about the possible comparison and it became this giant smoke and mirror monster of like, I can't do it, it's so scary. And you know, the longer you wait, the older you get, I can only scary imagine things become. Um, but it was really worth walking through the fear and towards that dream. I got to record five songs. My first single, which I just love saying, my first single called Love Myself um, ended up on the adult contemporary charts and I made it to number 14. What are you talking about? Are you, are you kidding, kidding me? me? No, it's ridiculous. It's so, I mean, I love it. I'm like, did we add that to my bio? Can we add that to my bio? <laughs> Like, every time I meet someone, I'm like, do you know that I was on the adult contemporary charts and I'm a singer?
0: So, but then what, tell me what that was like on a personal level, because I understand that. Like, coming from a world where Diana Ross is your mother, who's one of the greatest artists of all time, you are singing, you come from a household where music is life, but now you're singing and it it was terrifying. Was it liberating on the other side of it?
2: Yeah. I actually feel like when I watched the movie back, I was like, that is what pure freedom is and joy looks like. Oh, wow. it was like, unbridled for me. And once I made it through the scary part, it, it it was actually really fun and I felt oddly at home for something I'd never done before. I'm very comfortable on a stage, so the live singing we had to do for the movie on stage um, was exciting, but I've never really sung live on stage. The recording, it, was, it all felt new, but I took to it very quickly, I guess, perhaps uh-huh. it is in my DNA, um, and I'd love to keep doing it. I don't know, it was really cool. <laughs>
0: Tracy Ellis Ross, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you.
2: It's so good to see you.
0: Look after yourself. Thank you so much, Tracy. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, one of my favorite things about American politics is all of the polls. So many polls. This country has a poll for everything. Who's winning among likely voters in swing states? Which policies appeal to suburban millennials? Which Hogwarts house Donald Trump would be in? Obviously the one where the 16-year-old girls are getting changed. That one. So we at the show thought, you know what? Why don't we do some polls? And so we did. The Daily Show teamed up with the professional polling firm, YouGov, and yesterday we released our very first poll. Who do Americans want as their next celebrity president? Yeah, because Donald Trump can't do it forever, hopefully. And we can't go back to just an ordinary politician. I mean, that would be so boring. So we came up with a list of 257 politically active celebrities, and then YouGov tested them with a representative sample of Americans. And your top five choices for next celebrity president are Morgan Freeman, Denzel Washington, Tom Hanks, Samuel L. Jackson, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That's right, America is so freaked out that the only white celebrity people they will even consider from now on is Tom Hanks, which I get. I mean, the guy was able to make friends with a volleyball smeared with blood, so he should be able to work with Mitch McConnell, right? Surprisingly, the woman who did best in our poll was Judge Judy. And I agree that she'd make a great president because she'd resolve any conflict like this. Syria, do you have your insurance bill? Okay, let me see it. Shut up, Turkey, shut up, shut up. I'm not talking to you, shut up. Anyway, you can check out all the results and learn how we conducted the poll at yougov.com slash The Daily Show. But for real though, don't elect a celebrity again.